Kia ora and g'day. We are strolling down the road to Tokyo and boy do we have a, a great guest lined up for you. Silver medalist at the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast just two years ago, Alana Barber, race walker. Thanks for your time today. Oh, thanks for, for allowing me to be here. Allowing you to be here. <laughs> it's it's an, a, an absolute pleasure to see you. Look, um, let's start off first of all by talking about the year of 2020 because for so many people it's been a horror show and I'm sure for you and your preparation for the Olympic Games it's been exactly the same maybe even worse mm. put it into your own words what has 2020 thrown at you mm. everyone's got their own story don't they um, for me I was um, I just done New Zealand track and field tra champs so I did a great time for 3,000 and the 10,000 and I was ready to peak um, for a race in Japan. So this is, we're talking um, middle of March now. And um, the pandemic, you know, we can, we, we've heard of COVID. It's going around um, the, the world. And so we've heard, we've heard a little bit about it. But so I'm aware of things, but no, I'm, I'm focused on competing in Japan um, and really, yeah, cracking that Olympic qualifying time. So that was the plan. Uh, and then a week after nationals, that's when the lockdown was announced. Um, the, the event organisers of this race in Japan contacted me and said that they're not having any international athletes competing. They're just going to have uh, local athletes. Um, and so my first thought was, okay, well, how am I going to qualify for the Olympics? How, if I can't go to this race, I'm in the, I'm in the peak form and um, sometimes you, you can't keep that peak form for too long. Mm -hmm. So I was focused on just thinking, um, what can I do? But then I think also the reality um, at, at one point did sink in that actually there's something far greater than sports going on. This is a, this is a, a you know, potential Global pan pandemic. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's affecting people's health, that people are dying from. This isn't, this is more than sports. So that reality did sink in. Um, and um, then it made me then think, okay, it's um, mental health is now so important. It's not just... Uh, keeping up my physical health or you know thinking about my being in peak shape it's actually just thinking potentially we might not be going to the Olympics this year mm. and that thought did cross my mind there was a, a lot there was a period of just uncertainty which was probably the worst it's just not knowing do you keep in shape um, do, do you hold back do you um, just have some time off spend time with your family or am I needing to go overseas to to race at the Olympics yeah. or, or qualify so so how, how did you deal with that uncertainty? Because, uh, mm. you know, I guess it comes in waves. You don't know whether the Games are going ahead. Mm. You don't know if it's going to be postponed. It was postponed for a year. Mm. Um, you, you're in isolation on your own. How do you train? Mm. How did you cope with all of that? Mm. I, well, I think that's when the people around you, though, the, your team becomes extremely important in times like this and that relationship you've built up with, with them. Um, so my partner, who's also my coach, was... A, it was really important during that time just to just to comfort me and you know I was comforting him too and in my family I'm very close to my mother and father and my brother so um, it was it was just a time that you then just you use the time wisely to spend with people that you really care about and yeah. that's and that's and that's what um, that's what I did so the biggest relief actually was when they confirmed that the Olympics had been postponed a year um, because it meant that I could then just relax in some way and um, not feel guilty about spending um, time with my family away from sport and 
knowing that I was going to be in New Zealand for the foreseeable, unforeseeable future. because yeah, you don't know when you can leave again. <laughs> no, that's no. right. Uh, and then also that time with my coach and partner actually um, taking away the coach role and just becoming partners. <laughs> right, but that's very difficult for you to do because, correct me if I'm wrong, he lives in Germany? Mm -hmm, that's correct. And when was the last time you saw him? The last time I saw him was more than a year ago. More than a year ago. So you're talking about having your family and your partner around you during this difficult mm. time, and, mm. and he's half a world away. That but, must have been extremely difficult to deal with. And how did you deal with that? Video calling is like a blessing. <laughs> um, so there was a lot of video calling. Well, I'm <laughs> asking actually in the past tense, but it's something that he's still going mm. through, you mm. know? Like, when are you going to see this mm. guy again? Mm. Yeah, we're just not sure. So every day we're video calling. Um, it's actually, I've learnt a lot about how important it is to stay present in the time um, and just enjoy the, the time with your partner, even if it means... I, I think because there was, we were physically distant, we had to make up for it another way. So it meant that our conversations, our video call, calls became really important yeah. and nothing else in the world mattered. Um, during that time that I'd be talking to him. So everything was put aside and we really valued each other's time because that, that was all we got. Um, so it's actually made our relationship stronger. Wow. Okay, you must be just hanging out to, to see him again, though. Yeah, yeah. as soon as it's safe to go overseas, I'll be taking a flight to Europe and seeing him in Germany. Yeah. 100%. Hope it doesn't uh, collide uh, with the Tokyo Games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, All of a sudden right. they open up the, mm. the airways, you can go here, there and everywhere. Mm. Uh, kind of got this race that I've been preparing <laughs> yeah. for. Yeah, well <laughs> he's an athlete too and he's also um, aiming for the, for the Olympics. So, you know, if that's the case and hopefully I'll see him there too. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the, the, the whole dynamic, it must be very weird. So what do you do? You just set aside uh, an hour of a day. Mm -hmm. um, and in that hour, initially, what were you talking about? Was it to do with training? Did you do away with, with talk of, of racing and training? Did you just focus on your own relationship? Because obviously it'd be really hard to do so. Mm. But what, what was... What was the topic of conversation between you two initially? Well, when we were in lockdown, um, the focus, and we knew that I wouldn't be racing anytime soon, the focus was definitely on our relationship and the coach side of things was um, swept under the carpet just for a, for a little while. Um, and yes, yeah, so that's what we prioritised. Yeah. Uh, now that we're getting close and competitions are ramping up, just last weekend I competed at the Nationals, which was amazing, our, our road New Zealand um, Athletics Road Champs, which aren't we so lucky to be And you won. That. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So, so now that we're back racing, then the conversations are, um, you know, um, I don't know, 40% being an athlete and 40% um, and, you know, the rest being um, partner. Right, partner. right. Yeah. Um, so uh, when, when it comes to competing, one of, one of the added bonuses, if you like, for you personally, is, is to go around the globe and experience different countries, different mm. cultures, race against fellow race walkers. In the current predicament we face, you can't do that. Mm. So what, what part did that play in, in trying to make a decision about whether you continue to pursue race walking or not? 
the things that I loved most about race walking uh, was competing overseas. I loved the travel side of things. I loved um, racing in these cra crazy places. You know, some of the places that I would never choose, I'd never pick to go to. I was, I was in, you know, Mexico, um, mm. parts of China, um, amazing places. And I love that side of race walking. I love competing. Um, also, my training partners are based in Australia, so not being uh, with them to train. And race walking, it's, ultimately, it's a sport where it's a lot of miles, a lot of kilometres on your feet that you're just walking. That's what training basically looks like. You're doing a lot of walking. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so having the company, having good company is really important. Uh, so I miss my training partners too. Uh, and... Um, and in New Zealand, I don't. Um, there's no one that can <laughs> keep up with me. I'm not <laughs> so, surprised by that. <laughs> so even the You're men, the best of the best. <laughs> even the men. Um, our, I mean, the New Zealand race walker, um, Quentin Rue, he's based in Australia. Uh, so even you know he, um, <laughs> I guess I just I have no I have no one in New Zealand to um, train with. So things like that made me think. Okay. If I if I can't do these things, do I still enjoy race walking? Yeah. If you take those things away, how, how close did you come to just walking away and saying, "Listen, this this delay and the current situation mm. that the world is facing, it's just too much. Mm. Maybe it's time to to hang up the walking shoes and mm. get into the real world and get a real job." <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, there was a period of time where I just I thought about things, reflected, and I think that that's that's the, some of the positive things with. Um, with the pandemic was that it just forced people to just sit down and think, okay, am I doing things that I want to do? Uh, what do I still want to achieve? Um, what, you know, things that I could be doing that I'm not doing right now? Um, and I thought about those things and when I took away all the frills of that race walking provided and I went out um, during lockdown, I'd walk my local streets, which I never used to do. I'd drive somewhere in the countryside or beautiful places. I would. Why put. do you do that? <laughs> um, well, are, are you worried about what people are going to be thinking <laughs> as you're striding down the street? Um, well, the, the footpaths aren't the best with all the driveways and things <laughs> right, like that. Okay. The cars, I, I like to get away from cars. And yeah, there's that. <laughs> It's a bit weird to be in the middle of like this residential area, be uh, wearing you know your crop top and your shorts out, wiggling your hips. Um, and I think I, I haven't seen that before driving around the Auckland streets. Yeah. So yeah, it'd be yeah. a first. Yeah, exactly. And I think it would be a first for a lot of people. And actually, during the lockdown, that was a first people were seeing me out because I did. I took to the streets um, just outside my house, and my neighbours were looking out the window and being like, "Okay, this this the pandemic's really got to her." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's gone crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but I actually realised I didn't care. Like, I loved doing the sport. I loved the rhythm that Brilliant. I felt when I got into the mindset of race walking. And it didn't, it didn't matter if the neighbours thought I <laughs> was crazy. It, it didn't matter about those things. I still loved the sport for the fundamentals. Um, and I still had that passion to 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 want to be better and I think that's what the biggest thing that's kept me in the sport is the curiosity like how fast can you move you know following these rules of race walking and and that's still what 
um, what inspired me to want to continue. Wonderful. Well, we're all glad that you are <laughs> going to continue. And, and you say, how fast can you move? So at the NZ Road Race Championships that you mentioned earlier, mm. uh, I think your, your time for the 20K was something like a, an hour 40 mm. and 44 seconds? Yeah, something like that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, so that wasn't, a, that wasn't a great time for me because I'm in the middle of training at the yeah, moment. But, but all things considered, mm. how happy were you with that time? Because it's... It, it's been such a, a long time since you raced. I, um, yeah, it was it was a fact of just getting out there and racing. It wasn't about time for me. It was the getting the feeling of what it feels like to race, feeling uncomfortable but being okay with that. It's <laughs> yeah. When it comes to uh, the qualifying mark for Tokyo, I think it's 35 seconds down on what it was in Rio. How confident are you of of nailing that time of one hour 31 for the 20k? Mm. Yeah, it's, it's 30 seconds away from my PB, mm. so I've got to go more than 30 seconds quicker. And I did that PB in ideal conditions in China with great competition uh, when I was with, with my coach um, and, you know, I was peaking. So if you take away those things, and, and because potentially I'll have to do a qualifying time in New Zealand if I can't travel, so I've got to do it probably by myself because no one can, can go the pace I need to be going and in New Zealand um, and then I've got to hope for it to be a perfect day, perfect conditions and a good course to do that on. Mm. So yeah, it's extra challenging but isn't that exciting? Like that's, <laughs> that's um, what the whole thing of sports is. It might, might excite you but it <laughs> scares the shit out of me. Like. Okay, well maybe that's good that you're not trying to go for the, <laughs> yeah. for the Olympics. Oh, I'd be a terrible uh, Olympian, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be able to do it. But uh, I mean you could kind of maybe set up something like uh, when was it? Was it last year? Elliot Kipchoge? And he was trying to run the marathon <laughs> yeah. under two hours. You could have mm. like a, a vehicle set mm. up, uh, driving at the, the pace that you need to mm -hmm. over the course of an hour 31. I did, I did think about this, but that's not a, an actual official world record. Because he broke that, but yeah. he, because of all those things that helped him out, that made it not an official world record. Right. Where this is an official um, race that I've got to do. I can't have pacemakers around me blocking the wind um, or a vehicle with the, you know, I can't have a line on the track. Surely we can make allowances. I mean, it's 2020, for goodness sake. Okay, well, yeah, that would be awesome. I'm yeah. going to lobby the IOC on your behalf. Thank you. I'll Thank do that you. immediately after this. It's been well worth my time being here then. Yeah, of course. Hey, so um, when you look at um, what you've been doing over the last couple of years, uh, silver medal, congratulations on that on the Gold Coast. Um, the next year, 2019, Doha, uh, racing in 31 degree heat, 91% humidity after midnight. Are these sorts of experiences just going to help immeasurably, immeasurably when you get to Tokyo? Mm. Yeah, I mean, Tokyo's forecast to be very hot, like hot and humid conditions. So actually the race walks and the marathons have been moved to Sapporo because of the harsh conditions that Tokyo has. Um, so... Yeah, it just provides extra challenges which you need to prepare for in your preparation. And I've had that experience of Doha um, and Gold Coast. So I'm, I've got a thorough plan, um, strategies that I can use to make me prepare as well as possible for those conditions. I'm very fortunate to work with a physiologist, uh, Matthew Mildenhall, who's part of the High Performance New Zealand team. Um, and... Uh, and also I've done a lot of research um, um, that's, been, um, that's helped me find strategies. So 
um, part of my research has involved um, that I've been part of, uh, that I've been a participant for, um, where I've had a given, been given a core temperature little pill that oh. I've had to put inside me. I'm not going to tell you how that got inside me. Um, <laughs> okay. And that's measured what my core temperature is doing um, through training, through racing, and it's really interesting. And then strategies which forces your body to cool down. Um, and um, so, and this is all tracked through this pill. And fascinating. Yeah, and then the science uh, mm. just continues to evolve. How mm. how we get better as as athletes. I mean, mm. you've been in the in the business long enough. You must have seen all those changes occur. Mm. It's uh, it's wonderful. Mm. Yeah, and with with the uh, with the Olympics being in Japan, we know that these conditions are going to be brutal. So we've been given plenty of warning, and I'm sure there's a lot of other teams around the world that are also working on you mm. know the science behind making sure that the core temperature is it stays as low as possible because we yeah. know that when it gets high, you know you've got the chance of if it gets too high, then you've got the chance of collapsing or sl slowing down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I want to talk about uh, a couple of those things that we mentioned. Uh, we'll get to the Gold Coast Com Games shortly, but first of all, last year's World Champs in Doha, uh, starting after midnight in that heat, that humidity, what kind of <laughs> mind-bending, altering experience was that for you? Yeah, it's so bizarre. I probably will <laughs> never ever go, uh, you know, have, be in that kind of situation ever again. Um, yeah, just, I mean, <sighs> If anyone, if people haven't been to the Middle East before, so don't know what the kind of their temperature feels like. I haven't. Uh, I've never been <laughs> well, <before>. when, <laughs> when you're uh, baking a cake in the oven what, and it's up to 180, fat, yeah, yeah, <laughs> open up the oven and that feeling of that warmth on your skin when you open up the uh, oven, that's what it felt like. But then picture yourself exercising in that. For an hour and a half, For going 20 k's. Yeah. No thanks. Yeah, trying to go as fast as you can and, and also. Um, with race walking, thinking about the rules as well, making sure that you're complying with the race walking rules, mm. um, because you know if you um, if, when your body starts to fatigue, it's not like running where you can still try and get to the finish line, yeah. but potentially if you're, if you're fatiguing fatiguing in race walking, you might not be able to keep that leg straight, um, and then you might get DQ before you get to the finish line. So, jeez, yeah. sounds punishing. There's me thinking you're just going for a quiet stroll along the boulevard. No. no you got all that to consider going mm, through your head. Mm. But that's what makes the sport exciting is that when you're, even as spectators, when you're watching it, that person that's leading by, by five minutes might not win. You know, they've still got to get to the finish line. They've still got to comply with these rules. And then with environmental factors that you throw in there, um, are they actually going to last, yeah. you know? And that's what makes the sport exciting in some ways. How long did it take you to recover from that? You know, you, you've, you've walked the race, 20 k's out of the way, in that heat, at that time. Mm. What, what happened after that? Um, a long break. Yeah. <laughs> Not a lot a of lie race down? walking. Yeah, a lie <laughs> down. In fact, um, I got taken off in a, in a wheelchair. I, I was exhausted at the end. And I, you wouldn't have been the only one, right? That's right. They yeah. actually had wheelchairs for everyone. They have enough wheelchairs because they have to be prepared for all the athletes that cross the finish line being, you know, needing medical attention. Of course. Um, so, yeah, I got taken away. I knew I was going to be okay, but the, the best thing was that I just, I got to sit down in a wheelchair and I didn't have to walk anymore. <laughs> so, so that was it. And then I got put on a, got taken to medical and um, I, w I, 
I lied down and that was, I was just exhausted and it just, I just, I needed that. Yeah. Was, was anybody like in a worse off position than mm, you? Mm. Yeah, there were people that had heat stroke um, and so throwing up and um, yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's pretty, it can be quite awful. Um, there's anyone that's seen particularly a 50k race walk when you're in those kind of conditions for that period of time which is you're talking you know sometimes over four hours um, yeah. it's it's pretty brutal and um, you really learn a lot about your body and what it can do if in extreme conditions mm. well we learned a lot about what you can do in 2018 on the Gold Coast taking that silver medal what did that mean to you, to, to win silver for yourself, your family and your country? Oh, the, the best feeling ever. Um, words can't really describe it. It's, uh, I mean, there was, what made it so awesome was as well that it was quite local. You know, Gold Coast, it's not far away from New Zealand. So there were, there were a lot of New Zealand supporters. And the biggest thing that my family was there, um, yeah. usually um, they're in their mid-70s, so for them to travel to, uh, to you know, different parts of the world, it's just not possible for them, so having it... Did, did I hear that your dad hadn't left the country in something like 40 years yeah, before, over 40 before that? Years. Yeah, over 40 years, he hadn't got on a plane incredible. To, to leave the country, yeah. Um, so he had an excuse for all the other races, but I was like, come on, like, this is the Gold Coast. It, <laughs> yeah. it, Hop, skip and a jump across the yeah, ditch. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. And I was so happy that he was able to come across, because travelling isn't something that, that he usually enjoys. So yeah. um, for him to make that, a, you know, exception, and, um, and that was the best part, that it wasn't just winning for the country, winning for myself, but it was winning with them watching me just there. And I heard every time I did... Um, each lap, because each lap's only a kilometre long, so I, I, I passed them 20 times and each time I heard my parents um, <laughs> yelling. <laughs> yeah, so, and just knowing that they were there was just, the, yeah, the best. In the uh, post-walk comments, I, I remember reading or hearing you say that you kind of owed that, that performance, the, the ability to push on to two guys. One was your father mm. and the other was like an unknown Kiwi guy who just kept mm. on mm. cheering you on. Mm. Have, have you found out since? who he no, was and no but he said very simple words and that was just keep going and that's exactly what I needed to hear just then at that, at that time when you're really struggling and um, you know you're, you're, you're getting hot you're getting tired I had hit the wall at 15k I was starting to cramp um, in my groin area so I was worried that my my body wasn't wasn't coping well and um, and I was in a position where uh, the person behind me was quite a distance, so he was. This man was right. You just need to keep going, and and that's what I did. <laughs> well, wherever you are, we, we thank you very much for the silver medal at Alana Barber. Uh, where is it? Do you, do you wear it around the home sometimes, or is it like on the mantelpiece? I have a little where? mantelpiece um, with all the my collection of medals, along with my my mum's medals too that she's collected. And over the years to when she when she was running so it's yeah. a shared um, mantelpiece. <laughs> well let's talk about your mother because um, you know she was a, a New Zealand representative uh, ran the 800 uh, in the 74 Commonwealth Games in Christchurch what kind of motivation did she provide for you to do similar things? Mm. Well the biggest thing was just understanding like she know she knows exactly what it's like 
um, being an athlete, training every day, yeah. what it takes to be the best. So having someone supporting you um, growing up was was great. Although she was never a pushy mother, like she she would always be like, you can do the run, you can do the 800 meter run. I mean, that was my favourite. But you, it doesn't have to be yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to be your favourite. But I'll just you know show you the club to go to, drive you to the race, and and if you happen to want to do it, that's that's great. Um, and if you don't win, you're not coming home. Yeah, yeah. you're walking home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what set you up for uh, a successful race walking yeah, career. Yeah, and endurance <laughs> events because <laughs> the practicality of it. No, it was it was great having her. Um, yeah, just and I. That's why I. I think I loved the sport before I actually decided to commit to it, which I think is important. Um, yeah. And maybe kids that are pressured earlier on, they don't find the love for it first, which is important. How often do you sit down, I don't know if you've got like a VCR or a VHS player, do, do you watch your mum's performances <laughs> like on, on tape at home? N no. Can no, you find them on YouTube at all? <laughs> no, I don't, I'm not sure. I, yeah, I've never tried. It's, oh. it's not, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's not... Um, I, I think it's not that one particular moment when you're competing. It's about the experiences you get along the way and those stories that you have um, to tell. So it's the stories that I hear about her and John Walker and um, the fun that they would have being stupid. Oh, please go on, Alana. Do you want to share <laughs> actually, a couple of those stories? <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, that's right. My mum warned me not to not to leave the house. So. <laughs> yeah, don't blame too much. Don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, and just, she was in a time in the 70s where they were the best, our, you know, our best middle distance runners, mm. and there was just so much depth in the country, so hearing those stories um, is, is amazing. Must yeah, amazing. be magical. Mm. Yeah. So, clearly you started out as a runner. Mm. Yeah. What happened? Mm. Yeah, because race walking's not... Um, you're not really given the opportunity when you're younger to try race walking. Mm. Uh, it's not part of... It's not often not part of the athletics calendar at school, um... And, and if it is, I think there are some events where it is, where if you, if you don't like sport, then that's the event you do, because you might have, you have to do at least yeah. one, one event, so that might be the event. So it's not actually seen as a competitive event, which is a real shame. Mm. Um, so which is why I often go to visit schools, and this is when the medal, my silver medal does actually come out um, from the mantelpiece, is, I'll, <laughs> yeah. is I'll, take to, I'll take it to the schools and, and just tell tell kids about the opportunities race walking does bring and that it's it's maybe not this idea that kids think it is or um, you know just challenging those those conceptions that yeah that they race walking might have to the public yeah and, I mean the, the the point that you make is, is so true like I went to school a long 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 time ago and when I was there you know, you could run the 100, the mm. 200, the 800, 1500. You could lob a shot put or put mm. the shot or shot the put. I, I still don't know the terminology. <laughs> uh, launch a discus, javelin, yeah. but race walking was mm. never an option. And mm. I wonder if um, the, the narrative needs to change. And, and by getting yourself into schools, mm. maybe that'll help. And maybe mm. that'll be like a realistic option mm. for, for schools moving forward. Well, that's right, because it, it's, it's giving kids, because I'll teach them the technique when I'm at the school and, and getting their confidence up that actually that that this is something that they can be competitive in um, uh, and confident in if they learn if they know the technique what to do and kids they grasp they grasp things so easily mm. so that's the best time to be learning I actually um, tried out race walking when I was 12 years old Did you? and that's when I learned the technique and that stayed with me until I 
properly picked it up in my 20s because um, I only started training for race walking um, in my early 20s. So, but that the memory that I have of learning the technique when I was younger just stayed. Who, who did you look up to? Mm. Um, I mean, quite a few people, mo mostly my mum. So she, she but, learned... But, but in terms of race walking, yeah. like, you know, are, are there any... I mean, Craig Barrett is the one that comes yes, to mind. Yeah, and, and Craig Barrett is someone that I did look up to. Um, the Kuala Lumpur Commonwealth Games is probably the most vivid memory I have, and that was before I was race walking. Um, I, I didn't you know, know a lot about the sport, but um, watching him compete uh, was really inspirational because that was that was the time he collapsed. Yeah. Um, five minutes away, from, he was one k away from the finish line. He was five minutes ahead of the second, um, and and that uh, really stuck with me as a as something that this is such a challenging event. And he, I think it, what I remember about it. Um, mostly was that he was trying to get up, so he'd collapse, and he was trying to get up. So his, he was trying his his body had had was done, but phys uh, mentally he was he was still wanting to get to that finish line. And I mean that's so powerful to have that that drive to um, to want to just continue, even though your body's yeah. had enough, can't do any can't do any more. Um, and I, I remember that strongly and that will stay with me and it's, you know, um, so that was, yeah, that was inspirational. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I hear what you're saying and the words are so true, like it was inspiring. But the, the sad thing for me from that is when you fast forward four years down the track and, and Craig wins a silver medal in Manchester, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. But nobody talks about that. Mm. They only talk about the struggle that he had and I think mm. that's... That, that, that's a great shame mm. because people people haven't recognised the success. They only go to the failure that he experienced mm. in Kuala Lumpur. I, do, yeah, do, I mean, I don't actually do see it. I don't actually see it as failure um, because yeah. So that that experience that he went through was um, was so memorable. So I understand that people do do remember that more than him winning the silver. I mean. At, Every at the end of every race, someone wins gold, someone wins silver, and somewhere someone wins bronze. But not everyone will will push themselves to that maximum limit, be mentally still wanting to continue, yeah. um, and their body just doesn't doesn't cooperate. Mm. And that's what that's why we remember that. Mm. Well, whatever way you look at it, I mean, it's mm. yeah. yeah, one of the great moments in New Zealand sport, isn't mm. it? I mean the. The, what he did in Kuala Lumpur and then four years later mm. claiming that silver medal to, mm. to bounce back like that. Yeah. Really yeah, sensational right. stuff. Mm. Um, 50 kilometres. Uh, we're, we're talking about equality more now than ever before. Um, you know, women can do what men can do. Apparently it's like a newsflash, but uh, <laughs> I think we've known it for a long time. Slowly but surely the wheels of, of change are turning. And uh, Quentin Rue, who you mentioned earlier, uh, New Zealand's male participant, he's trying to lobby the, the IOC and say, well, look, if it's good enough for men to race 50 kilometres at the Olympics, then why can't the women? What do you think of that idea and do you support it? Mm, I completely support it. If the opportunity's there for men, why can't it be there for women? Yeah. Um, opportunities are so important. And equalising that opportunity is extremely important. So... Um, I yes, I support it, and I think that it 
endurance events are women's strong point. And I think that you'll see the gap close in an event like 50K, the difference between the first man and the first first woman, because w women are good at endurance. <laughs> good with that, that longer pain. I don't know. The, the <laughs> Does it all come back to childbirth <laughs> or something, Lana? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but possibly, possibly. Um, so, and I think that if, if, you, if you open that event up, you'll see some women that will really come out and be strong um, at, at that event. For, for me personally. Yeah, would you do it? Would you do it? No, I don't think so. I oh, don't, why not? I, yeah, I think it's the idea of, the because I do the 20 kilometres and then having to double that oh. and a little bit more, yeah, yeah. just is mind-boggling. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's, a it's a different event. It's, it's, yeah, it's a real, I mean, it's, it tests something else. You, yeah. Yeah. It, I think if somebody came to me and said, hey, Goran, can you do two and a half times the amount of work that you're doing right now, I'd be like, nah, go away, come on, please. <laughs> exactly when you put be it like reasonable. That. Yeah, be reasonable. Exactly. So yeah, just, exactly. just do what you're doing and mm. do it really well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when it comes to Tokyo next year, what does success at that event look like for you? Is it, is it standing on the podium? Is it a, a top 10, top 20 finish? What is mm. it? The most important thing is that I do my very best, that I'm prepared as possible, I'm as prepared as possible, and that I do myself and my country proud. That's always what I think about. I don't think about the end result. Um, in Commonwealth Games, I never thought about the medals. I just thought about being as prepared as possible uh, and pushing myself hard, as hard as possible. Um, I focus more on the process rather than the end result, yeah. Right. Okay, well, whatever happens, I hope it goes really well for you. Don't go anywhere, though, mm -hmm. because before you leave, we're, we're doing something called the Quickfire 7. Last time out with um, Peter and Blair, the sailors, uh, it wasn't a Quickfire 7. I, I really took my time. It was, oh, I don't know, everybody was in agony at the end of it. So okay. I'm going to try and speed this one up for you. Okay, I'll try and be as quick okay. as possible. So am I allowed to, is it about speed rather than accuracy. Well, I, I kind of want speed and accuracy and a little bit of elaboration, so maybe that's why it took so long. But uh, we'll begin and we'll see where we get to, okay. okay? So first of all, the Olympic rings tattoo, mm. yay or nay? Um, yay for everyone else, nay for me. Uh, so you'd never get it? No, no. I'm, why? I, so for me that I, I just, um, my identity is more than my sports. And having that kind of plastered on me makes it, I feel like I'm more than that. Although I'm no offence to anyone else that gets it because I think it, it looks really great. Um, but for me, I, I actually, when I meet someone, now I'm taking too long. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. And this is not on me. This is all Alana, which is great because I got told off. Okay, well, I'll get told off. <laughs> so when I meet someone, I, um, if I say that I went to the Olympics, then the rest of the conversation's about that. And it's nice to actually talk about other people and talk about other things beyond sport and um, beyond the Olympics. We're, and so I think if that if it was tattooed on me, then that would encourage those. So what you're saying <laughs> is getting the Olympic tattoos is actually a very extremely selfish act. <laughs> Is that, is that my, have I got the answer? For myself, okay, for myself. All right, okay. All right, question two. I think we did pretty well for time there on question one. Question two, what's your favourite place that race walking has taken you to? Um, hmm. You can cut the, the <laughs> you can cut this thinking bit out. Yeah. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. Um, um, 
Chihuahua in in Mexico. Okay. It's Mexico is a really interesting country. I've never been. Yeah, you see, I wouldn't have been either. But because I had a race there, I needed to go there. And just what makes Chihuahua so nice? So pleasant, so beautiful. Oh, oh, sorry, is this pleasant and beautiful? Oh, I don't know. It was interesting. Interesting, okay. Yeah. Well, that, <laughs> a different kind of spin. Yeah. yeah. Um, Why was it interesting? Yeah, unique, um, just <laughs> crazy, every, every, it was just a different mindset, a different um, things that you wouldn't see in New Zealand. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, question three In a 100 metre race, who would win? You or your mum? Mum in her prime. <laughs> no, I, mean, I was going to say, not she's now. 75 years yeah, old. Yeah. I mean, that's unfair. Mm. You'd blitz her today. Yeah. But like, think about your mother in her prime when mm. she was racing with mm. John Walker and all mm -hmm. those, those legends of the sport. Who yeah. wins in a 100 metre race? My mum. <clears throat> Next question. Okay. Uh, your proudest achievement? Uh, winning silver uh, for Commonwealth Games. Yep. What's something that would surprise us about you? Hmm. You know, like a, a, a hidden trait or you know, something about you that we just hmm. wouldn't have any idea about. Okay, I can move just one eyeball. Go on then. So I, I, I can move... So what, with one, your finger? No, no not, touching, not touching the eyeball. One eyeball stays completely still and the other can move. Oh, kind of like the clown in It. Oh, so someone else can do Yeah, do yeah, it. the oh, Skarsgård actor. He, he can do it. I think that's one of the reasons he got the job in the okay. end, because his, his eye can sort of, like, go out wide and then back in. Yeah, that's, so that's what I can do. Are you going to do that for us now? Well, I have to, don't yeah, I? Yeah, just look down that, that okay. camera there okay. and uh, give it a crack. Oh, my word. Okay, <laughs> I don't want to see that again. <laughs> it's kind of gross. I'm sorry I asked this. <laughs> well, yeah, you're the one that asked. <laughs> okay. Um, any code, what is your favourite sports team? Um, sports team, uh, I don't want to be cliche, but the All Blacks. I mean, they're inc incredible watching them yeah. play. Just, yeah, amazing. Even when they're not playing so good, they're still... I mean, I wish they had done better at Bledisloe, <laughs> yeah, but that's yeah, just let's... a personal thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just lastly, in the quickfire seven, we're getting through this pretty fast. Uh, if you could win gold in any other Olympic event, which one mm. would it be? This is, dreams are free. Mm, okay. okay. Cross country skiing. Oh, so we're going winter games. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think that's pretty impressive. The cardiovascular strength that you have to have for that, incredible. Yeah. Alana Barber, thank you very much for. Participating in the Quickfire okay. Seven. And I don't think I had a choice. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's sort of like a, a contractual obligation. <laughs> but uh, look, we thank you for that, and thanks so much for your time here today on the road to Tokyo. We wish you all the very best in the 20-kilometer race walk. Thank you very much. Cheers, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> thank you.